time Oh, take this slow We've got miles behind us But miles to go So let's just break this down To the simplest truth You and I as one Will always be better than Welcome to Relaxed and Free, a clinically-minded, biblically-based counseling podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Corley, here with my good friends, Doug Bonebreak and Francis O'Donnell. What's up, fellas? How are you, my friends? All right. Well, doing well, doing well. Um, this is going to be an episode continuing or piggybacking on to another episode, uh, which was talking about creating healthy boundaries with dysfunctional parents or dysfunctional uh, relationships with parents. And uh, I just want that to uh, say that out loud so that if, if the listeners want to connect back to that episode um, yeah. to understand some of the things we might be talking about in this episode, go ahead and do that. Yeah. Um, and, and that was uh, a dysfunctional parents uh, episode that we did previously. So uh, this one will be focused on marriage. And uh, how do we handle a dysfunctional relationship with our spouse if there is one present? Uh, one of the things we ended on last time uh, with navigating the dysfunctional relationship with a parent was that it's okay to rest. It's okay to take time out and rest uh, and gain some clarity, gain some distance from that dysfunctional relationship with your parent in order to uh, really create a good uh, plan for uh, healthy boundaries, that type of thing. Um, for me, one of the things that just easily segues into uh, creating healthy boundaries with a dysfunctional spouse is that that rest is still okay. So uh, if I need rest from my spouse who's dysfunctional, maybe it's mental illness, maybe it's trauma, um, who knows what it is, okay? It could be a myriad of things. Um, it's still okay for me to seek rest. It's still okay for me to come up to, to, the, to the surface to get some air, to mm -hmm. clear my mind, to clear my head, to, um, to seek counsel, to seek wisdom through Scripture, through friends, through counselors, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it does look different seeking rest in a marriage relationship versus a parenting relationship, right? Because you're like, if, uh, if I'm an adult child and I have a dysfunctional parent, I can go back to my apartment or I can, can go to bounce. another. Yeah, yeah, I can bounce. Yeah, take, exactly. Take a trip someplace. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work that way in marriage. Like if I bounce every time there's a conflict, um, I'm gonna, I can do some serious damage to uh, trust. Mm -hmm. in the relationship. And if one of those things that is causing dysfunction is a fear of betrayal or a fear uh, of uh, being left alone or that kind of desertion, thing. Probably. Desertion. Desertion, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, which happens, right? And people are maybe bringing stuff from their family of origin into the relationship where a parent left or something like that. And then I bounce, you know, I could just be triggering the whole thing off and I'm not doing any good in terms of creating healthy boundaries with what's going on with them. So hmm. we need to talk about that in terms of what it looks like uh, and how it's different. So Francis, I'll start with you. 
uh, as we're talking about these marriage relationships, anything come to your mind? Do you have any experience with couples? Oh, just a little bit. Yeah, uh, I bet you got some stories, bro. I got some stories, but, you know, I think uh, I think you kind of nailed it when you talked about the different types of dysfunction. Now, mental illness goes into a whole different um, category, probably. No, I agree. That's a silo unto yeah, itself. Yeah. So, you know, when— so which go, we can talk about, but yeah, 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 I'll let you talk about that. Okay, you know, but when I think about marriage, you know, think about what marriage is. It's it's a perfect union, but you have two imperfect people coming together to try to make a perfect union, which is impossible with, <laughs> without without Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. And so, you know, when we, when we first enter into marriage, we see everything good about somebody, and sometimes the things that uh, we think are awesome you know, like a very independent person, this or that, very, you know, expressive of emotions, ends up being a thing that drives us crazy later on in marriage, right? Right, yeah. And then we start to see the the true dysfunction. So one of the things I would say is if you're listening today and you're single, you know, you, you need to really get to know each other, you know, need to understand um, each other's um, behavior in light of their past experience or where they come from. Referring back to the other podcasts where, you know, uh, normally, our dysfunction comes from what we've we've seen modeled for us, mm-hmm. and so but that can be that can be overcome. But but you've got to uh, truly understand that. So if you're in a in a, a relationship that you feel is dysfunctional, first look at your own stuff. Yeah, because you may be filtering um, your own stuff on someone else. Maybe because you know you didn't marry your mama, and you thought you <laughs> married your mama, right, or your daddy. Right. Um, so, and one thing I would encourage is. To understand, um, so if you are married to a spouse that's depressed, mm-hmm. um, you need to research what depression looks like mm-hmm. instead of just assuming that you can make them happy. Because if it's clinical depression, you can stand on your head, you can bind things, but you know they need to be in professional counseling or they need to see their medical doctor because mm-hmm. it could be an issue of medication. But to understand what the dysfunction is— um, you know, I think Carrie, I think Doug talked about this idea of desertion, you know, the fear of abandonment. Consider, you know, maybe your spouse came from a single parent family and dad or mom left. And so, you know, understand that their behavior according to their past pain. So in that idea of rest, I love what you said about um, the Bible prayer and community can be so important. Um, that you don't feel alone and that, and I would say this, don't put your stuff on the street, you know, find a couple people that you can have, uh, confident conversations with. It's a safe place to, to share that conversation. Oh, like, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I thought you were talking about like luggage or something. No, like, no, no, no. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's the old youth pastor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, but the idea that, you know, um, that, that you have a safe place to, to share, you know? Yeah. Um, but make sure it's a counselor or a trusted friend, you know. Uh, yeah, don't just tell anybody your business. No, and, and don't do it in an accusatory way that we're trying to fix our spouse. Mm. Correct. Yeah, yeah cause, which goes back to creating, how do then we create a healthy boundary? Uh, so one of the things you just mentioned, Francis, was don't be accusatory. Uh, but I want to check in with our scientists. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, I want to see, like, so of the things that I've said, of the things that Doug said, Francis. What? Oh my gosh. Yeah, Francis. Oh, I'm so sorry. We, we, we look alike, yeah. don't we? We do. 
Yeah, same age. You're looking, you're looking very, you're looking very Asian tonight. I am. Yeah. yeah. I am. I am. For our, let's well, say for our listeners who do not know, Francis is half Japanese. Right. So. And the, yeah. and the uh, the later it gets, the more Japanese I look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. So maybe that's yeah, where the resemblance yeah, is happening. Yes. Um. So what? From a scientific? Well, yeah. So from a scientific pers- perspective, I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't have any data on any of this as far as stats but i think i think just to add another analogy to the mix um you know going back to something like clinical depression but if there's any of these underlying issues or even you know um having your childhood have your parents you know desert you randomly right which i think is common in like alcoholic tendencies or mm-hmm. alcoholics right They'll just desert yep. and you, you, you don't know why. And you, you think it's because of you and you internalize it and all this stuff. And so if that, well, even kids on a subconscious level can come to believe that and not even realize they believe it, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Like they think that they're the ones causing them to mm-hmm. leave mm-hmm. sporadically because, because yeah. children psychologically are very egocentric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But sorry, go ahead. That's Freud. That's right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me. Hmm. It's all because I went to his apartment in Vienna. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I guess just tying all that back, it is important to remember that there's so many psychological and biological factors tying into both sides of this perfect union, which is what makes us imperfect. Um, and that in the same way that someone getting a chronic illness, mm-hmm. right? Or in a car accident or something, right? That is not because of the spouse's actions or inactions. Correct. Right. right. Yeah. This is beyond that. Yeah. And so it's important to remember that because um, thinking that you caused those things to happen is is just as absurd as thinking you cause their depression or whatever. If it, sure. if, yeah. if it is, you know, not a cru- not acute, but chronic. Yeah. Right. Or it's even thinking that you can be the savior of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And because sometimes they need yeah. physical therapy. Right. Yeah. And they need drugs or. Right. Yeah. Well, well, how many people have entered into marriage thinking that they could fix somebody? Mm, a lot. A lot of people. A lot, yeah. a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been a marriage. Count. Is it a lot? Is it a lot? Oh, it's, it's a lot, lot Doug. Do they con- do they consciously know? Not all the time. Okay. No. Cuz I don't think yeah. I'm trying to think back now, which is when my eyes have gone glassy. I'm trying to think <laughs> back if if either I or Lindsay entered thinking that she probably entered thinking she was going to change me. I would bet. Well, if she is a one on the Enneagram, she is going to enter any relationship thinking about how she can bring peace. Okay. An improvement to it. So, boy, that's why she's so frustrated with me all the time. <laughs> because then, once somebody tries to fix me, I will deliberately not allow myself to be fixed. Yeah. Because don't try to don't, don't try to impose your will on me. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a whole nother session. I know. <laughs> podcast. It is. <laughs> so, I w- I do want to go back to the setting a boundary with a dysfunctional or unhealthy spouse. Um, and, 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 and tie it back to a, a Bible verse uh, chosen by our pastor in residence, uh, Francis O'Donnell, 
which was Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Yeah, and um, uh, I am for uh, those of you out there who do not like Eugene Peterson, I'm sorry, but I do like him. And so get over it. Yeah, so get over it. Um, <laughs> in the message, it. so we're going to be reading from the message, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, which is compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And so I love that because when we're focusing on building uh, healthy boundaries with a spouse, um, there's really no better garment than love. That's right. And that sounds kind of cliche. I mean, I guess it is cliche. doesn't sound like it is a cliche, like wear love, you know, but. I think it predates <clears throat> most cliches, right? Oh, I like that. Yes, it does yeah. predate cliches. <laughs> yeah. Take that cliche. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll use it unabashedly. <laughs> because all I need is love. Um, all you need is love. You should patent that. <laughs> Copyright it. I all right. So. Yeah. So uh, when. Um, so we siloed mental illness over here to my left. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about. Uh, let's talk about trauma and uh, family of origin issues. And when I say family of origin, what I mean is the family that you grew up in. So that modeling that Mm -hmm. Francis mentioned earlier uh, is going to play a huge role in how you resolve conflicts in your marriage, right? The way you learned to relate was your family of origin. It doesn't matter if that was your biological family or adoptive family or whatever. That is how you learned how to resolve conflict. It was modeled for you. So the way that your parents Mm-hmm. Uh, modeled conflict for you uh, had an impact. So is yeah. this is this why they say it's important to show not hide conflict from your kids, but show allow the conflict to be there if there's conflict there, but show the resolution right in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, yeah. you don't like go like you know pick the fight just to show it. But but that's funny because my wife used to accuse me because I grew up in a family that was very vocal and demonstrative and the loudest person won the argument. Yeah. You Mm. know, and so my my wife, when we first got married, would say to me, you're just picking a fight to fight. And, you know, that's that's just how we did it and and how I grew up. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. And well, (laughs) what was funny is to be called on it. You know, because we never called on it before. You just everyone participated, sure. right? You know, yeah. so, it's just she, what you did. So yeah. health, healthy people who set a healthy boundary says, "I'm not going to fight for the sake of fighting." What are you upset about? You know, asking the, the 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 root questions. Why are you behaving this way? You know, I, I just a funny story. One time, my one of my daughters said to me, "We're she was describing um, our family to uh, to a friend, and she said, you know." There's dad side crazy, and there's mom side crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love that. And so because because on my we we uh, we put the dis in dysfunction growing up. You know, my my wife came from a very strong Christian family. Um, we, I didn't come from a Christian family, but but to uh, to learn and to watch her family relate was really important. You know, and I think that's where if you have healthy parents, you know, it's 
and for me, I you know you you see that and you want to model that. You want that good example. You know, that scripture teaches us, you know, your mother and your father may forsake you, but your Lord, your God will never leave you. And so, you know, understand that even in the midst of that frustration with your spouse, God never leaves you. Amen. Yeah, which can answer so many um, of those deep-seated fears that we might have picked up along the way uh, in our family of origin, right? Because some of the top fears that cause marriage discord or are, are uh, fear of betrayal. Mm-hmm. Fear of being left alone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Those those are two big ones. Two big ones that uh, lead to an escalation or a tension, uh, and sometimes around uh, what may seem like very simple subjects, like where do you want to go to dinner, you know? And all of a sudden, um, everyone uh, triggers into an argument, and then they're like confused, like how did me uh, asking you where you wanted to eat dinner end in this, like, yeah, you know, how, like how did this explode? How did this yeah. get that way? You know, and and um, the reality is, and, and obviously I'm oversimplifying because that's what I do, but the reality is like eighty percent, right? That's this good. is this hey, is going to play to eighty percent of people out there. Yeah. I'm going to hit the eighty percent. The reality is, is that if I've got trauma, um, or I've or I came from a dysfunctional family then it's very likely that something's being triggered in me in that moment uh, that that question is asked that I might not even be aware of. And my emotional response of anger or fear or whatever it is, is going to tank that conversation really quickly. Doug, um, did you ever, have you followed the Gottmans at all? Like, because uh, they're scientists. <laughs> That's I don't think I have. What's have you ever heard con- of the seven I've, principles of making marriage work by John and Julie Gottman? Oh, I think we may have read it actually. Okay. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. But boy, that's, if we did, it was a So what ago. I love about them is they are very data driven. Um, and so you would probably love that as was well. Was that the one that had them in the chairs? The love map. And, and then they could predict whether or not they were getting divorced? Yes. Based on the they, ones who would diffuse? Yes, 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 based on... Look at that. Yeah, based on whether or not they saw these seven principles, Yeah, um, they, uh, they could predict, you know, yeah. scientifically that uh, they could this do, couple yeah, would... They yeah. Could, yeah, there were like probability numbers that they could go through. Yeah, exactly, because they collect... They, basically, what they did, and they created a love lab in downtown Seattle, and they watched couples fight, fought. Right? They would watch couples fight and they would just collect data. Yep. Collect, 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 collect. Big old volume, and then they condensed it down into seven principles for those of us who don't like reading volumes and volumes of data. Mm-hmm. Right? And It was a great book. Yeah, I, I did like that yeah, book. Yeah, it is. And it's um, what's really cool about it is the practical uh, exercises that come out of that. Um, in, uh, in our, in, at Lakewood Family, um, we use a lot of the Gottman material. Okay. And so um, I say all that to say uh, they are great at teaching communication. So how do I diffuse a situation? How do I communicate? How do I uh, use practical communication tools and uh, coach my clients to do the same? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of good things that really stick with you from that book. 
and I, you know, I'm, I'm bad with titles and, and things, but when you give me the practical, I can, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Lindsay and I still use this constantly. And the main one is the diffusion. That's why it was the first to come to my mind and all that stuff, because we do have a conflict. If we do have a fight, one of us makes sure to diffuse by the end of it to just to show, Hey, we're still in this together type of a thing. Yeah. The right? repair. Yeah. The repair. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I think I should probably just give a quick ex- explanation of that. Yeah. Yes. You have a long fight or whatever, a, a argument, a disagreement, and <clears throat> one or both find something that basically interjects either laughter or something to diffuse so that it's not ending on a conflict and it doesn't just stay a conflict. Um, and so we kind of have a practice of that and, you know, you turn to inside jokes or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just rotate through. So yeah, that is a good book. I do like that. Wonderful. Um, Um, so, uh, and I want to add, I want to, so we have the point of, um, that our trauma and our dysfunctional family plays into modeling and it plays into, um, dysfunctional relationships and marriage. And this next point, I cannot stress enough. Uh, do not go it alone Mm. because the way that you learned or the way that your spouse learned how to do conflict is so deeply ingrained in them. You are not going to solve that problem. Just the two of you go to marriage counseling. And I will repeat that again. (laughs) Go to, it is not a shameful thing to go to marriage counseling. On average, couples go to marriage counseling six years too late. Dang. Six years too late. That is why we have the divorce rates we do in this country. All right. If you knew how to do it, you're a smart person. Okay. I'm talking to you listeners. If you knew how to do it, you'd be doing it. Mm-hmm. It'd be fixed already. Yeah. 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 You don't. And that's okay. We have more quality marriage counselors available in this country right now than we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and that's like you prob listener. I'm not, now I'm talking to you. <laughs> you you probably also don't know how to do open heart surgery. Right. And there are people who have trained their whole lives to do that and dedicated their lives to do that. Like you don't try and do that yourself. So I can see yeah. that. Yeah. So Carrie, what would you say? So I know on my car, it tells me it's time to change the oil. There's a warning <laughs> light that comes on. So what, yeah. give us like maybe four or five examples of when, when it's time. When it's time, uh, when there is a perpetual conflict that you think or feel is draining the life from your relationship. Okay. Like a topic of conflict? Uh, uh, like you never do the dishes? So that. Or, or so a pattern of behavior, I guess. It'd be a pattern, okay. right? So in like, uh, you never do the dishes could definitely be a part of it, right? That's probably um, more of a symptom than a exactly and then it becomes and you start to put together of like he or she never does the dishes and then it's like you know what they don't do anything around here Mm. like why am i doing all the stuff and they're not doing anything you know 
that would be a perpetual conflict of like, you keep coming back to feeling that way. And then it begins to erode your trust in your spouse. And it begins to erode the positive, feel good, uh, uh, positive beliefs about who they are and why they're in the marriage. Hmm. When you when you feel yourself shifting from a positive perspective into a consistent negative perspective, or mm. what the Gottmans would call a negative sentiment override about your spouse, it's time to come in. It's right. interesting. Yeah. How, does it? Did they go through how that erodes the trust? Um, that's just an interesting mechanism I hadn't thought of before. Um, Did the Gottmans go through how? Or, or can you just explain mm -hmm. briefly? I mean, yeah. I don't need a dissertation. <laughs> so I, I'm sure you could talk a lot about well, it. Um, well, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, well, even we go back to the conversation that you and I and Francis were having before this, right? Right. We were talking about planning for this particular podcast, and Doug was saying some things that I was not understanding, and he was not feeling heard. He wasn't feeling understood. Well, that's going to impact his trust in me, right? If if he does not feel understood mm -hmm. and he does not feel heard, and then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, you know, moving on. Like, yeah. you know, I I can't explain myself any better, and you're clearly not getting it. Right. So then that's going to feel like a betrayal to Doug. It's going to feel like I don't care about him. It's going to feel like I'm not slowing down to even con consider or reflect what right. he's thinking or what he's feeling. Like, that's a problem. And that's how it is connected back to trust. Because uh, when we get married, um, our belief and our hope is that come hell or high water, this person's got my back. Yep. But if I'm trying to explain my feelings or I'm trying to explain how I'm thinking about something and they're not caring to slow down or listen or really empathize with me in that moment, that's a betrayal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's great example. Yeah. I, I was hoping that wouldn't come up on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. No, you're good. Thanks. Friends is like moving on. Yep. No, I, I'm just thinking about, you know, in that situation, healthy couples learn to celebrate the differences and they learn to play off the differences. Yes. And they, and they use that past dysfunction to, to learn and not to bring that into their marriage. But mm -hmm. couples that don't talk, they, they, We'll never understand what the dysfunction is, what what the why behind the behavior is, and that's correct. The, and if you don't have that that clear communication, and then you know they never deal with the issue, they always attack each other, which destroys the relationship. Well, and then if they've got trauma, or they with when and what we're talking about in this episode is a dysfunctional relationship. So there, I mean, there's trauma. That's yeah. what we're yeah. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> what we're addressing. There's yeah. trauma, and there's dysfunctional family of origin stuff going on, like I guarantee it. Um, so when we're talking about that, um, if my spouse is being triggered, uh, we're not going to have a good communication. Nope. And I, and I uh, learned this, like, and th that is really where Gottman will fall short because Gottman is great with their exercises in teaching um, uh, and coaching good communication techniques. That's bar none. Use it all the time. Um, but if you've got someone who's got trauma, or if you've got someone who has severe family dysfunction that they're coming from, and they're triggered in that moment, 
their brain is shut down. Mm, They're yeah. not going to communicate well. You have got to find a way to calm them down so that they can begin to communicate. Yeah, that's what you said in one of our episodes, I think. You talked about getting them, or maybe Misty did, actually. I think you did. I was asking okay. about Misty in that process, um, and that the first thing you establish is safety. Yes. Yeah. So I, Because, yeah, you have to... You have to provide that safe space, right? I, this, you I'm do. just yeah. quoting your words back to you, I think. You do. Yeah, but, uh, no, you absolutely do. So that kind of leads me back to a question I had on the first point, which was um, creating that space, right? To be able to go and um, kind of be free for a minute. Yeah, so part of creating a healthy yourself. boundary with a dysfunctional yeah. spouse is creating a safe space. Okay. Yeah. So um, when... What is it, and obviously there's a whole bunch of caveats, right? But when is that creating space versus escaping? Yeah. You, you see? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, is it measured in hours, days versus weeks, months? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I know there's no clear rule, yeah, but I mean, yeah. I, I feel like there's got to be at least some guidelines, maybe? There or, are guidelines. I don't know. And just like in... Uh, I, Francis got some answers too, but well, I, I yeah, want you go ahead. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go I'll ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, there are guidelines, and one of those guidelines is, um, and I talked about this in the blog with uh, creating boundaries with unhealthy parents, is that a healthy individual wants other individuals to be healthy. So a healthy husband or healthy spouse who has their spouse say to them, "I need some space to think about this." even though that may hurt really, really bad, and that may trigger my own fears of abandonment or fears of rejection or whatever those fears are, I still love my spouse enough to say like, okay, babe, I understand that hurts a lot. What do you need from me, mm. right? And that's the healthy response. There's all kinds of unhealthy responses <laughs> right. to that. Yeah. And I don't even, I kind of don't even want to go down that rabbit hole because no, no, the healthy response is, okay, that hurts. I feel sad about that, or I feel frustrated about that, whatever the feeling is. However, I love you, and I want what's best for you, and how can I help? Okay. Yeah. We're, we're in this together. We're in this together. We're That's in, a great we're, one. We're, yeah. we're in this together. I think creating that space also is there's always a plan to return. Yes. And we're not talking yeah. days and months. We may be talking about a couple hours to clear your head, or, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm going to go play golf. Sure. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. Sure. Um, because because what happens is sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves, and what and then our default mechanism is we we usually do things that aren't really healthy. Right. You know, so to to cope with the the tension in the marriage or the dysfunction, you know, we're going to do things. We're going to maybe overwatch TV, overeat. You know, pornography is a big deal for for guys um, and women now. I mean, statistics say men and yeah. women both. It's are increasing for women increasing as well too. Yeah. And so, you know, make sure it's a healthy uh, um, coping coping mechanism, and and you're not escaping; you're retreating, right? And then with a plan to return after you refuel, yeah. Because in the midst of that, you know, you have you got to get that space, or you're not going to be able to to communicate clearly. Yeah, and I just love the language of I'm not running from you; I'm running to a healthier version of us. Yes, that's good. Yeah. I'm not running from us. I'm get I'm getting some space so I can think clearly, so I can think better about us. 
Yeah. Recollecting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, what, yeah. what, what if happens if, um, because a lot of time and, you know, going back to the rules of dysfunction, don't trust, don't talk, don't feel that the spouse that's dealing with the trauma or the dysfunction doesn't want to go to counseling. How, how would you, how would you coach the, uh, maybe the healthier partner and, and, helping that person understand that. Yeah. So um the the healthy spouse um who wants counseling and so we'll say like the unhealthy spouse doesn't um go to counseling. Statistically, I will be frank with everyone, I think Doug will appreciate this as a data person. Mm-hmm. Statistically, uh if you go to counseling and your spouse and it's for marriage stuff and your spouse does not, that increases the likelihood of separation. So I counsel my couples all the time of like, hey, um, I know you if especially if one of them doesn't want to be there, um, I will talk directly to that person in a phone consult or whatever and say, like, hey, listen, um, she's clear, he's clear that they're going to go to counseling without you. The data is clear too. If you choose not to go to counseling with your spouse, th- th- your worst fears man. might actually be coming true. Oh, man. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I, I try and speak as Does directly it, or... Sorry. It, it, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask how... Does that finally click in their heads? Not always but i'd say the majority of time okay yeah because whatever they've got going on whether that's anger or fear or frustration or maybe it's even uh disappointment because they had a horrible counselor before you know mm. and it didn't go well that and that happens it does happen. <laughs> absolutely happens of so all of that <clears throat> but um what they're doing is they're stonewalling in that moment and um what I want to know as a counselor is why. Why are you stonewalling counseling? Because we can have a conversation about that. If you had a bad experience with a counselor, let's talk about it. If you're afraid that you're going to go into counseling and get blamed for a whole bunch of stuff that's not your fault, let's talk about that. Let's, let's open that up. You know, if, you, if you're fearful of rejection or, uh, you know, there's a whole multitude of reasons of why people don't want to go to counseling but the statistics on that don't lie if you if you put that on the back burner and let in and and your spouse goes to counseling without you you you're biting yourself in the butt man shooting yourself in the foot yeah Hmm. okay well how about is there's got to be a bright side. There right? is a bright side. So when so this, one of my, when this yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. So, so true. Where, where, where are we going from here? Where, yeah. where, do, yeah. we, where do we land? <laughs> what, what keeps people going? What, what, what's the hopeful thing that keeps people going? Yeah. So just to recap, like rest is going to look different um, it, because when we are rest is okay to, to have, like I, it's okay to give some space and create a safe place. And then, um, boundaries look different too, uh, versus like when you have boundaries with other family members of boundaries with the spouse are going to look different. Um, they need to be, uh, you need to wear love mm-hmm. as that Colossians three says, like you need to approach it with compassion and kindness and humility. Um, and then, uh, the, 
number one thing, certainly last, or it's last, but certainly not least, is uh, there's still hope. Hmm. The, the biggest um, threat to your marriage is not fighting. Hmm. It is apathy. If you are feeling apathic, apathetic about your marriage, you need to call a counselor tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I had, did we talk about this on the podcast? I it's don't know if this possible. was on the I podcast. I talked about it a lot. So it, I said that at some point, maybe it was just to Lindsay and I was like, it, but it wasn't about her and I, it was just in general, like with relationships and mm-hmm. conflict. Yeah. I was like, don't ever be worried if I'm fighting, be worried when I am uh, silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's with a lot of mental health issues too. When mm-hmm. people just quit talking, that's, that's a whole nother podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's hope, right? Um, if you're, if you're fighting like cats and dogs, uh, that means you still care. And one of the, the best, one of the best things that a really good counselor will do is reframe that for you. Just like I just did and instill a sense of hope and, um, relieve some of that anxiety not just some of it, not all of it. You know, there's still a lot to be unpacked there. Um, but instilling a sense of hope for that couple is paramount to giving them the energy to move forward into the difficult conversations ahead. So, my, so what I would land that plane is there's still hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. And it's like, uh, I know I quote Lord of the Rings too much, but that's what Gandalf <laughs> says to Frodo, right? Yeah, and I think I don't know. Does he say that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know, right? is that in the movies? Yes, I'm, it is in the movies. Yeah, when they one. are uh, in the minds of Moria. Yeah, oh, well, let yeah. me pastorally interject. Yeah, here. hit it. <laughs> you know, we have to remember that um, marriage wasn't a good idea; it was God's idea. Ooh, you know, and, that'll preach. And you know, when we look at Colossians, you know, but above all, put on Christ, mm-hmm. put on love. And so always remember that um, um, the power that God put within you um, can carry you. And that, you know, with the help of a counselor through lots of prayer, um, you know, get, just get back to the basics of um, what the scripture says to honor one another, to submit to one another. Uh, husbands, to love your wife like, like Christ loved the church. And, Ephesians and, 5. Yeah, mm-hmm. and died for, you know, and— mm-hmm. uh, and, and so don't forget those. It's, it's interesting. It's like we forget our, forget, we, we always forget, we default to the negative things and forget the positive things. Which is that negative sentiment override. If we go back to right. that data, right? the science part of it, yeah. like, yeah, that yeah. is, that's the negative sentiment override. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, it's a, it's, I mean, that's just factual in our brains too. And it's like a one to nine or whatever ratio. You could hear nine things and one negative, and you only pay attention to the one negative, right? Or yeah. you know, they may be equal at that yeah. point. You know, yeah. So, and um, to to that point, Doug, like we have to discipline ourselves to see the good, mm-hmm. to be thankful for it, and that's not just in your marriage. I mean, that's in life, yeah. right? But it definitely applies in your marriage. Of if I'm in negative sentiment override. That means I'm not believing the best of my spouse. So then I have to discipline my brain. Yeah. Change my brain, right, in order to um, to build those positive connections and see 
the best in who they are and empathize with them and connect with them, even though it may hurt. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. Like I, I think I did some of this like in junior high, maybe early high school, well, high, high school, college right around then. Cause I was super negative, mm. like probably depressed, all this stuff. And then I like, just decided I was really tired of it mm. and decided I wanted to be optimistic and happy and whatever. And I just started finding all the cheesiest happy music and started <laughs> listening to that. I mean, I did everything to just drown myself and be happy and look for the silver lining like everywhere. And it worked for a lot of years and then who knows what happened. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carrie, I, I know we're, are we getting close to yeah, we're, we're, why we're don't you Why don't you read that passage again? And, okay. And, yeah, man. And when you listen to it, think it. Think about the action steps. We we put this stuff on. It, it just doesn't happen. We have to put it on. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Colossians three, uh, twelve through fourteen. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you: compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even tempered. Content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you, and regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Yeah. That's What's great. A, I love that. What is an all-purpose garment uh, that would be like a modern day? Like, I, I think of my Columbia jacket. I don't know why. Or just jeans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jeans. <gasps> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Put on your jeans. Never be without them. That's good. Good stuff. <laughs> I don't think we can add much more to that. So no, I agree. Uh, yeah. That's a good that's a good note to end on. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I hear you guys speaking. It's a time to end the podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, join us next time for our next episode. We're going to uh be talking uh, we're definitely going to be talking more about family dysfunction because that's a series that we're doing. Um, and we're going to be talking about parents and um, uh, dysfunctional kids. Um, so uh, tune in next time for that. Send questions, prayer requests, and encouragement to feedback at relaxedandfree.com. And uh, make sure to go and review us on Apple Podcast or Spotify or Google or YouTube uh, anywhere channel, you can get anywhere it. you can get it and, yep. and make sure to comment and leave comments and all those things. Uh, and we really, really, really do appreciate that. It helps us to bring this podcast to you. We love you, our loyal listeners. Um, until next time, rejoice in hope, endure in suffering and persist in prayer. Much love. At Lakewood Family Therapy, we aim to be your refuge in the storm. We're professional Christian counselors whose sole purpose is to bring healing to your family and hope for the future. If you'd like a free 15-minute phone consultation with one of our professional counselors, you can call or text 816-663-9751 or head on over to our website, lwfamilytherapy.com. We'd love to hear from you. Lakewood Family Therapy, where faith, family, and future is our number one priority.
Relaxed and Free is a presentation of Lakewood Family Therapy. Catch up on other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and please rate and review. Every review honestly helps us bring you this content. Production and engineering led by Doug Bonebreak. Recording done by Chris Renfro. Stay relaxed and free. Let's not waste time or take this slow. We've got miles behind us, but miles to go. So let's just break this down to the simplest truth. You and I as one will always be better than two. Yeah, you and I as one will always be better than